Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. And today I'm back with another um, client struggle type of episode. So a couple episodes ago, I talked about how I was going to bring to you guys some of the common struggles, um, either brand new clients or clients that have reached out to me, you know, they experience. And I feel like these are things that a lot of people do um, experience. And for whatever reason, they think that these struggles are absolutes and they won't be able to overcome them. So this is why I thought it's, you know, it'd be really, really great to kind of like talk about some of these things. And quite honestly, you're probably going to hear a lot of overlap because everybody kind of like has similar type of struggles or obstacles or barriers, whatever you want to call them. So today it's all about eating 1200 calories. So on my um, intake forms, or even in our um, onboarding system, we ask the clients, you know, what are your biggest struggles? And quite often when I'm on a call with a client or a potential client, I'll ask them like, what are your top five habits or behaviors or struggles you think are, you know, what holds you back? And this one comes up a lot. They'll either say, well, I don't eat enough or I, you know, eat quote unquote clean, right? So this one was brought up and I kind of like summarized it, but it's basically eating 1200 calories. They express the, you know, the um, thought or what they've been told around eating more. Um, But basically they said, I hear you're supposed to eat more, but I struggle with my relationship with food. How could, how could eating more food possibly help me lose body fat? Um, I thought we're supposed to be in a calorie deficit. And then her other, um, struggle would be I also have a poor relationship with the scale so and and in this instance it's not a food scale this would be a body weight scale she says I can't get past the uh, the scale not moving then I feel bad and I turn to food quote unquote I guess is what she put in in um, brackets so let's go back to the very beginning 1200 calories you hear this all the time and I mean I don't even I don't even know why it's always like specifically 1200, but it's like that, oh, you're in starvation mode, don't do it. But here are some things that I would like to discuss with you. 1200 calories can be a deficit for some people. And it's not going to put a person in harm's way being at 1200 calories. I actually, by the time I was done my contest prep diet, I was down to when I figured it all out after, because I didn't do macros and my coach actually didn't provide me the calorie breakdown. But when I actually figured it out after it was all done, that went into my reverse diet, I was down at 1100 calories, but let's be clear. I didn't start there. And I think that is the biggest misconception. And this is why 
um, apps like MyFitnessPal or other apps. Um, and I, I, I'm not calling up MyFitnessPal saying it's the it's so terrible for you because my clients use it. However, a lot of these apps will set you up to be in a diet phase right away with a, an extreme approach because let's be honest, they clearly want to maybe, you know, generate you some momentum, right? And I get that. We all want to see results right now. But the problem is, is that 1200 calories or 800 calories, that should be, well, even 800. It's it's not, I've, I've yet to see my own clients ever get below well, basically, I would say 1200 calories is the benchmark because um, I do have a limit in which I like to take clients. Um, but again, like this is where you're supposed to end, not start. OK, so I might get some flack for this and that I'm OK with that because it depends. It depends on the person because there are smaller humans out there. Again, I just explained to you guys. When I got on stage and, and when I was getting ready for my show, I went from like 140 pounds down to 100 and I think it was 112 or 114. 114 was my weigh in, but I think it was 112 on stage. But my weigh in, like to get into that position of being able to like just drop some water weight and stuff like that, I was approximately 119 pounds. So 119 pounds, I'm doing a whole bunch of cardio. You guys can imagine, like I went from 140 down to, you know, this 100, less than 120 pound individual. So I'm a smaller human. I can't stay at those higher calories forever. So eventually, of course, my coach had to do the same thing, bring my calories down because there's metabolic adaptations, right? And to continue with fat loss, you have to be able to make some changes, right? And so like, it depends. If you're a smaller human, yeah, you might have to go down there, but again, before you do, you got to check all the boxes, right? Like the goal with any dieting protocol, any anybody that would come to us, and what I would say to this client is that we want to diet you on as many calories as possible, okay? So at the end of the day, you know, we want to see what this looks like. I would never just say, okay, yeah, you're starting at 1,200 calories. In a lot of cases, I would want to maybe possibly build you up to a more consistent level. And by default, you would probably see um, fat loss. I'm going to explain that in a little bit. But at the end of the day, no matter what you do, so my best recommendation for anybody who struggles with, quote unquote, I'm on 1,200 calories and I'm not seeing results, is like, you shouldn't be there yet. If you just started your, your diet journey, you should actually be at higher calories if you are someone who is a large individual. Now, again, I don't know what those numbers would be. It's based on a lot of factors like your dieting history, where you are right now, your exercise activity, um, even if with regards to like, are you in the gym lifting weights? All of these things matter, okay? Your habits, your behaviors, your sleep, these things all add up. So again, lifestyle. But if you were starting on your journey, yeah, 1200 calories, it's pretty difficult. And you likely won't see the results that you think you should. Because again, think about it this way. If in fact, you start with 1200 calories, and let's say, for instance, you do lose some weight, that or, or body fat, let's let's be specific, then what do you do when you stop seeing the results? Are you adding more exercise? Are you going lower with your calories? Because at this point, I'm, I can almost guarantee you that it's not sustainable, which is why you want to diet on as many calories as possible because the goal of any phase regardless if you're going to fat loss or if you're going to maintenance or if you're going to a surplus it has to be sustainable even within that phase i'm not saying oh, okay well you got to be able to sustain you know 1200 calories or whatever it is 1500 calories for the rest of your life no because a fat loss phase isn't forever it is temporary 
Okay. And that is, I think, part of the problem too, is that this belief that we are dieting forever and we're not right. A lot of people don't understand that once your weight loss journey is complete, you should have the next phase right after it an exit strategy and that's into maintenance. Okay. So 1200 calories is suitable for some smaller humans at the end of their dieting phase. Okay. But again, it is dependent and there might be people out there who say, okay, well that she's wrong. She, you know, she's, she's going to break your metabolism, all that bullshit. No, they're wrong because metabolic adaptations are real. They exist. It's a, it's the cost of getting lean. However, to reverse metabolic adaptation, you simply are eating more calories and you're gaining back some of that body fat, right? And so at the end of the day, people have to understand that the phase is temporary, okay? And you're not breaking or destroying any metabolic system. That's, we are, we're pretty flexible and we're adaptive, right? So at the end of the day, that's fear-mongering and that's bullshit. For some people that have to diet harder and that's why those calories will, will exist. But again, it, it usually comes down to like how sedentary you are to begin with all of that kind of stuff. And again, small human, less calories. Okay. So then how can eating more possibly help you lose body fat? So I'm going to go back to what I was kind of saying. So if you came to me and like this client who's chronically eating low calories because like that's what her brain is telling her and that's what society has told her and that's what all apps and google tell her is like you need to be eating 1200 calories then i look at the big picture of like okay so if it's not sustainable like are you sustaining this like how long have you been on their quote unquote 1200 calorie you know protocol and like most people, they often tell me, well, that's the problem. Like I was doing it for a couple of weeks and then I fall off. Like I always fall off the wagon or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but here's the problem. It wasn't sustainable to start. So how can eating more calories help? When you come to me and this client specifically, when, when she onboards and I see her tracking for a week and it comes back at an average of like 12, 15, you know, I'm going to say 12 or 1300 calories. But she also has said that she overeats and turns to food for, you know, emotional support or coping mechanisms. I'm going to argue this, this, you know, this, um, this phrase of non-sustainability equals probably overeating all or nothing mentality and or overeating in a surplus, which will lead to fat gain. And they're going to be like, what's going on here? Like you said so many things in one sentence. And I'm going to say, Here's the thing. If it's not sustainable, that's part of the problem. So when you are on lower calories and you're, you're just, you like fucking, you know, what is that white knuckling or you're just, you're just like, just chomping on the bit. Like you just, you can't wait till your next meal or you're always thinking about food. Here's the thing. Having one bite could lead to that all or nothing mindset. So when you're in these lower calories, it makes it difficult to sustain so again, going back to starting at 1200 or whatever those numbers are, that is part of the problem. Okay. So ideally what I do is I bring clients back up to like more of a, I wouldn't call, I'm not saying it's maintenance because it's likely not, not if you're losing body fat. However, I bring the calories up to help with overeating on the weekends, to help with planning cheat meals, to help with all or nothing mindset, to help rebuild a relationship with food. Because if I can show them that eating more consistently prevents them from eating the entire chip bag at night by default, not eating the entire chip bag, but maybe even just having a portion is going to equate to a calorie deficit. And it's because 
what they do outside of that quote unquote 1200 calories is the problem. You are putting yourself into a surplus somewhere. That is why you gain weight, even though you say you're eating low calories. So I'm not sitting here recording this podcast telling you, you don't need a calorie deficit because you do in order to lose fat loss. What I'm saying is that eating more calories on a consistent basis will help you erase the excess overeating surplus of calories you're likely consuming when this freaking low calorie approach is not like, it's just not sustainable. It's not working. Okay. So that's how eating more can help. So I want to bring this to, you know, let's, let's normalize this. Fat loss phases require deficit, require temporary restriction, restraint. That's how I like to view it. I don't even like using the word restriction, but for some people, if you get into the poverty macro calorie zone, sometimes you do have to restrict certain foods, but it's temporary. So it's, a, it's momentary restraint, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Temporary. Okay. We, that's the phase, but in maintenance and into surpluses, it's the, the mindset is now shifted into, I just want to maintain myself. Therefore there's this, you're not, you know, you're not in this place of really low calories and that kind of thing. And you're eating more sustainable, um, uh, calories and you're, you know, adhering, like you're not thinking about food all the time, that kind of thing. And then with a surplus, the goal is to gain weight or gain muscle, whatever that looks like. So when you're like in this fat loss phase, there are going to be some absolute things that you have to be disciplined in or take action on. But again, it's a phase. And if you were to start off with really low calories, this is part of the problem. So when she says to me, eating 1200 calories, and I hear you're supposed to eat more, but I struggle with my relationship with food, she has fear around that. So we want to develop um, a better approach to rebuild that relationship with food. And the only thing you can really do is to give yourself permission and evidence that having food is not a bad thing. We are so hardwired to think that eating carbohydrates or fruits, um, fuck, even some people can't even eat a vegetable because they're afraid of it. Christ, like now, like you're not supposed, like, I mean, there's so many videos on people in, in freaking supermarkets, you know, listing all the labels of the foods that you shouldn't eat because it's so fucking bad for you. It causes all these diseases or you're going to die from it. It's ridiculous. Fear mongering is not going to get you anywhere except in a place of not knowing what to eat, how to eat, restricting, and then you're going to be in a place of probably overeating and laying that foundation for disordered eating mentality, which could then lead to binge eating. Okay. So the goal is to eat more consistently, a little bit more calories on a regular basis. You'll see fat loss happen because you're less, you're not overeating as much, maybe even feel better. So now you're moving your body more. Like there are so many things that can happen by eating more calories, but let me be clear. Eating more doesn't take you out of the deficit, what allows you to lose body fat and what that deficit is, and I hope this makes sense, is you're no longer overeating. So if you could see me on my, like recording this, the bottom line is, is that overeating is a surplus of calories over top of your maintenance calories. This is, this is why you're gaining body fat. But if you reduce the likelihood of overeating simply by eating more consistently, so instead of eating 1,200 calories every day, you're eating 1,500, and now you're not overeating chips at night, 
you're taking calories out of the equation by not eating as many chips. You're still having them, but you're not eating as many. And now your body's starting to say, oh, okay, well, you're no longer overeating in a total, you know, big picture of it all. Okay. When I work with clients and they say to me, like they struggle with overeating and binge eating and, or like they, they call it binge eating, but they're, they're not true binge eaters, right? Like they're not, they're not diagnosed, but the, the goal would be to reduce that. And we can simply do that by eating consistently more food on a regular basis because they aren't wanting to overeat and they're not um, restricting their favorite foods. I talk about this a lot in, um, I've done on my Instagram and stuff like that, where I've talked about maintenance, like how do you move back into maintenance without going in, you know, um, all or nothing mindset. And I, I'll be like, well, you know, slowly bring some of these foods in that you have been kind of, you know, restraining yourself from, but you don't want to just like fucking just start adding them because that could lead to all or nothing, right? Like you got to prepare yourself. And, you know, the whole idea, like even when you're going into maintenance is, and why people will absolutely gain weight like more than what they should is because they they haven't allowed themselves to lean into that discomfort of eating these foods they still have it as a i can't have and when they do have them all or nothing boom they overeat and even though they say they're eating at maintenance they're not because they're still behaving with overeating or binge type of um, um, behaviors, right? So again, if you want to avoid the weight gain and that kind of thing, it's, you got to zoom out. It's not just calories, right? But yeah, you need a calorie deficit, but eating more consistently before you establish that actual deficit, I think is going to help because by default, you create a deficit by not eating a whole bunch of extra food. It's kind of like the person who says, well, I went low carb and keto is the root the the, you know, is the answer to all your problems because they reduce carbs. But I'm like, but you just reduce calories. You do know that, right? So keto itself, yes, some people might find it more sustainable or whatever. However, the result is basically the same because of the deficit. You lose body fat when you lose or when you uh, reduce calories and you're in a deficit. So if you, if that means taking carbs away for that person and they can sustain that, it's the deficit that did it. It's not, oh my God, carbs are bad. Okay. So that would be it, right? It just comes back down to like, if you are eating more, it's more sustainable. You're not thinking about cheat meals all the time. You're not always thinking about food and you can have just a bite without the all or nothing mindset. And then eventually maybe, you know, let's say for instance, we do have you eating more and you're reducing the amount of overeating situations and stuff like that. And now we're kind of like stalling out. Now you're in a place of, okay, well, maybe we do have to make an adjustment, but now we're in a, we have this awareness of, okay, you have to know that we've worked really hard to rebuild your relationship with food. So if you are in fact ready to diet and we are in a place, this is temporary again. Now we put you back into a, a new deficit. We look at your exercise activity. We do all the things that we have to do. We manage all that. And then you'll see continued fat loss. But at one point, you as the client or you as the human have to be aware of like, okay, well, this is no longer sustainable. Okay. And now we put a, you know, you know pump the brakes on the diet phase, move you back into maintenance, take a break, maybe even go into a surplus. Cause maybe you're like, okay, well, I've shifted goals and I want to put on some muscle. And then you can go back into dieting again, if you feel like there's more fat loss to, uh, to be, to, to be had. Okay. So again, I hope that makes sense. So 1200 calories, it might work for some people. Um, I guess it depends on the human. Yes. Eating more consistently can help you 
create a deficit, believe it or not. Um, okay, so the scale, the measure, the measurement of this is basically this. Okay, it's body weight. So how do you overcome this struggle with getting on the scale? And if it says to you basically what you don't want it to say, right? Like it hasn't told you you've lost weight. It's just telling you that you're either stayed the same or you've gained. Um, first and foremost, the best thing to do is to have other methods of measuring progress. So like, you know, using progress pictures, right? Before and after pictures are great for you. It doesn't always tell the story of what's going on inside, like the internal struggles and stuff like that. But it might be helpful when you're trying to measure progress on a, I would say like more of a biweekly process and or um, even a, a, a monthly because pictures, it takes time to change, right? So you may not see that right away, which could also be part of like, okay, well, with skills, no movie, my pictures don't show anything. Like that can be a mind fuck. So combine it, use the scale, use progress pictures, use measurements or clothing. Okay. So have a benchmark. This is the clothing that has been fitting me super, super tight. I'd like to see how it fits in a month. Okay. Um, also measure your energy levels. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't feel great and now you're starting to see improvements in there. And it's important to understand that when your energy levels are great and they're feeling optimal, guess what? You're probably going to move your body more, uh, better, sorry, more better. It, you're going to be moving your body more, um, optimally in a, you know, like either you're going to go to show up to the gym more often. You're going to be there when you plan it. Um, you're going to feel better. Okay. When your energy levels are there, you might even be like, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to plan more effectively and I'm going to go grocery shopping. Like you'll be doing things that will probably help you see changes in your body composition eventually. Okay. And then the thing is too, is like sleep and stress management, it all plays a role. So if you're sleeping like shit, guess what? There's a good chance that maybe the body weight, like the, the measure of weight on the scale won't change. So like you have to ask yourself the question. So it's really, really important to reflect and ask yourself a lot of questions and not use just the scale. So if you want to rebuild that relationship with the, with the, with your body weight and the scale, it's like understanding that is a measure of body weight. And I can go over this, you know, time and time again, like have a shit sleep and, and, you know, you weigh yourself the next day and you could be heavier, have a really, really uh, big workout. You can weigh heavier. Um, if it's that time of the month for females and even those who are going through perimenopause and or have, are going through the transition, like there are fluctuations within your hormones that guess what? It's not in your control. So these things can absolutely have impact. I know for myself, if I eat a huge salad bowl a couple of days, and if I dare to get on the scale, which I don't do very often, but if I did, and I have in the past, my weight will stay either the same or go up and I'm doing all the things, but I'm eating bowl after bowl after bowl of high vegetables, high volume foods that I'm likely maybe even a slowing down my di digestion or B there's just so much in there. So yeah, my body weight's not going to change. Um, if I have more carbohydrates or more sodium, those things can show up on the scale. So it's really just, if you decide that you're going to use the scale as a, a way to measure progress, you have to get right with it. Number one. So make sure your relationship with it is actually cool. Like know that it's not like absolute because it's not, and it can fluctuate every single day. If you actually weigh yourself every day, you would probably see that. But if you only weigh yourself one seventh of the time, so one day out of the week, you're probably not going to have an accurate picture. And on top of all that, that's where it can be like really, it can be disappointing because you might get on the scale the one day, the one day where, you know, like you're not thinking, but you had a shit sleep. You also had a heavy, heavy workout. And also too, you had 
Um, you barely had any protein yesterday and you ate all carbohydrates, but you stayed within your calories. Okay. That can still show up on the scale. So it's reminding yourself of what body weight is, but here's the thing. If you step on the scale, actually let's reverse this a little bit before you step on the scale, figure out where you are in how you feel first thing in the morning. So like the best net time to measure yourself is actually in the morning, uh, whether you're putting yourself on the scale or taking pictures or even measuring um, the growth and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that if you wake up and you're like, oh, I feel great. I had a great sleep, blah, blah, blah. I'm so excited for the day. That's the feeling you have. That is it. When you step on the scale, that feeling should not change. If it does change, that relationship with the scale is part of the problem. Number one. Number two is that give yourself a one or two, well, I would say two, two pound variance on a regular basis, a daily basis. So even if it's up two pounds or down two pounds, it's not to be, oh my God, celebrated. And I know when I say this, people are like, yeah, but two pounds down would be amazing. But I'm like, again, though, two pounds down one day versus the next day now it's up three pounds. Like you have to see the trend first before you can really start to dial in and say, okay, I can see um, that the scale is absolutely impacting how I look and stuff like that, okay? So I think it's really, really important to give yourself a little bit of a ballpark figure um, a plus or minus, that type of thing. It, it's very, very helpful. I use this a lot with my clients. So if the struggle with the scale takes you into a place of, you know, darkness and shame and guilt, and now you're using food as a coping mechanism, I would ask yourself this question of like, how's that working for you though? Do you see the disconnect? Because this is the thing called cognitive dissonance. You have this outcome goal of wanting to lose weight or change how you look, which is okay. However, the problem with this is maybe you don't understand why you're on this journey, number one. And number two is that you're allowing a number that can fluctuate daily throughout the day on a regular basis. You're allowing that to dictate whether or not you've progressed. So rather zoom out, okay? It's important to zoom out and then be like, okay, so what's true about how I feel? Like, you know, um, I think it's, it's important to get this evidence so like if it says, okay, you're up two pounds and you're saying, oh, Jesus Christ, I must, I fucked up yesterday. Is that true? Is that true? Where's the evidence for that? Um, you have to really, really gather this and ask yourself questions. So any negative thought that you have come in as a result of the scale, it's important to break that down for yourself. Okay. This is very, very common. It's one of the things that I hear a lot is like, you know, um, um, I, I, well, when I'm working with clients currently, they still try not to think about the scale and they say it all the time. Like, oh, I try not, uh, try not to let it get to me, but you know, like it's not moving. And I'm like, okay, so that's, that's, that's what you're saying, but what's true about that. Okay. So the scale itself is not moving, but if we look at the other measures of progress, if we, if you actually go back and read your feedback, you will see that, you know, you're sleeping better, your energy levels are up, you're showing up at the gym, oh my goodness, your measurements are down in three of the five categories. That's a huge win. You've mentioned that your genes are fitting better. Do you hear all that? Those are all really, really good um, indicators of progress. So rather than getting all upset over one measurement, it's, an, it's really, really important to look at everything. Last thing that I would say about this, though, is that if you have a shitty relationship with the um, scale, then don't get on it. There, Like I said, I listed off so many other um, methods 
to measure. Okay. Especially if you're a numbers person, I've had a client in the past where she was really fixated on the number and I could show her pictures. I could show her all her measurements changing. And that number was so ingrained in her that she had to be a certain number for so long that she still had a very difficult time seeing progress. And um, it's like she allowed that number to define who she was. Yet here's the other thing. We, we don't know what it looks like. So even if you had a goal of like coming in and saying, okay, well, I'm 180 pounds, but I want to be 150. How do you know what 150 pounds looks like? It's like, I look back and I share this often with clients. It's like when I was doing contest prep with clients, sure. If you had a weight goal to hit, because you have to weigh in for your, like, if you're a bodybuilder and you have to actually weigh in for your category. Yes. We have a benchmark that we have to hit, but figure athletes, bikini athletes, we never had weight that we had to worry about. So it was always like a look, but in the back of, you know, the, the, the mind of the athlete, they're thinking, okay, yeah, but I need to lose 20 pounds, but we don't know what 20 pounds will actually look like once we're all dialed in. And it's the same thing with, with you as a gen pub, like you might have a goal of 20 pounds, but do you even know what 20 pounds would look like? Like maybe you won't even like how you look or feel again, the journey matters, right? And to get there, it takes a lot of work and discipline and why well, I hate using the word discipline, but it takes action, right? So, okay. So just to summarize eating 1200 calories, is not where you want to start, but for some people that's where they end. And that is normal, depending on the human and the situation and circumstance. Try not to allow yourself to compare your journey with somebody else's just because there's somebody who says, well, my coach would never let me eat that much or that little or whatever does not mean that's applicable to you. So stop the comparison game. It's a killer of joy. Secondly, eating more calories can definitely help you establish a calorie deficit because by default, if you eat more consistently on a regular basis, especially if you're someone who eats low calorie, then you're going to probably hopefully erase the overeating, the cheat meals and all the things that have you saying, fuck it or all or nothing mindset, which actually take you into a surplus. So like that approach of like, I'm good for five days. And then I go fuck like fuck it mode on the weekend. That's what we want to eliminate. Okay. And that's how that can be helpful. Eating more consistently. Eventually, maybe we have to reestablish a new deficit. But that's how that could work. And that's how it works in your favor. And then the scale, it's not the only measure uh, of progress. You have to lean into some discomfort of finding other ways. And if you really have a terrible relationship with the scale, it's time to step, step away from it. And that is okay, right? We don't all have to be fucking happy all the time and loving the relationship with anything. Again, just because you have a friend who could step on the scale and has no problems with it, that is on them and that is on you to figure out why you have that shitty relationship with, uh, with uh, food, with your scale and let it go by being honest with you and figuring out what that relationship is, because it's important to understand that if it's defining you, it's time to do some internal work. Okay. All right. That's it. That's all I have for you guys. I guess I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at Motivate and Be Fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.